Welcome to this Ocean Life podcast coming to you from Santa Cruz, California. I am your host, Josh Peterson. Today, I've compiled five of my favorite animal stories from past guests that range from the gnarly to the beautiful. We have Bobby Twitchell from episode 88, freediver and spearfisherman on Maui, Mike Bolton, episode 28, legendary conservationist and shark photographer, David Ochoa, a couple different episodes with him, world famous spearfisherman, movie maker, and guide, Kyle Faust, episode 20, freediver, spearfisherman, and Stefano Ulivi, episode 54, scuba diver and tour guide in Pico Island of the Azores. Now, these guys tell some amazing stories of interacting with sharks, manta rays, whales, and more. A lot of fun stuff. Now, none of us can imagine an ocean without these critters, so let's all do something to help them out, like reducing your plastic usage and donating a few bucks to an advocacy group like Oceana or other. Thanks for being here, supporting the podcast. Hope you dig these stories. We're going to start spinning off more of these compilations. we got a gnarly stories coming up, like big waves and injuries and accidents and crazy stuff like that on the horizon as well as just a ton of great guests as always so appreciate the support thanks for being here thanks for listening now let's hear some pretty rad animal stories lay it down please okay. yeah so this one is a little different this one is the one you don't want to have happen um, um everyone survived um i was at S Turns, which was at the time the last. This was in 2010. It was a, a, at the time it was the last place a guy had died from a tiger shark, um, an acquaintance of mine, um, and uh, basically uh, it's a known spot. I, it, muddy junk day to go. It had been raining three days earlier, but the mud never cleared up. But outside of the mud was crystal clear. And so me and my buddy Joey, we see the clear water out there. I want to go spearfish in the clear water. So we just kind of, you know, rush over the shallow part of the reef off to the side and we get out there. Um, we spearfish for three hours, crystal clear water. Didn't get much. We had two lobsters on the buoy and we start swimming in through S-turns to get back to shore. We should have went back in over the really shallow spot that we got out at, but we decided to go straight in, which was right across S-turns itself. Um, only 12 feet deep or so. It's not a deep place. And uh, we're swimming along and looking left, looking right and some premonition or whatever, I look behind me at the right time and this shadow comes out of the murk, about eight feet of visibility. So I'd say yeah. the nose was probably eight feet away when I first saw it. And so um, I have my wooden gun with me, uh, that same JBL that I shot my first fish with, big fish, and I turn around and um, I can't point the gun at the shark at this point. I figured it was a reef shark or something, um, but I was still like, hey, shark in murky water. So I spin around it's kind of hard to describe. I couldn't point the gun at the shark because it was too close and it was coming at me. So I, to spin around fast, I had to pull the gun towards my chest yeah. like a fireman's pole right. if you were to slide down it and spin around like a pole. Yeah. And so the tip of my gun is out of the water, um, just barely, and I'm holding it in front of me like a shield. And in the time it took me to turn around like that, this full-grown tiger, Kind of hard to tell how long it was because I could only see segments of it at a time. Judging by the fact that it was as fat as a cow, I would say it was probably 13 to 15 yeah. feet. You know, probably a 13 footer, I would say. Um, just really fat. And all I saw was the face at this moment. Um, it was coming sideways across so I could see one eye and one set of gills. And the mouth um, was, you know, was going from my right to my left. And 
is a moment of just, you know, your just heart sinks. Pucker, it's yeah. all fast. It's all just, okay, there's a huge shark right in front of me. And then it arched its whole body, opened its mouth as wide as it could to try to just eat me from the top down. And I scream and I hold my gun out in front of me outwards uh, and like a shield again. Its upper lip hits the gun by my forehead. His lower lip hits the gun down by my belly button. What? And my fingers are technically in its mouth because my fingers are holding the gun out in front of me. Um, all I see is white flesh mouth. I, like, I can't see around the face. I can only see white flesh in front of me. <laughs> That's gnarly. And so your gun was propping its mouth open. No, my gun's five feet long, five feet tall in Got this it. moment. It's just so, the, like, so it's like a shark cage. It was your shield. It's just like a shark cage, wow, but only one bar. <laughs> so imagine a, sh a shark hitting a shark cage yeah. with its mouth yeah. open. Dead center on a bar. On a single bar wow. right in your Dude, face. That's... that's exactly what it was like. And um, too much adrenaline to know if it, how much it pushed me or not. I couldn't tell like in the moment yeah, yeah. if it hit me and pushed or if it just kind of felt, right. oh, there's, I, couldn't, I couldn't get my mouth around anything. Either way, mouth wide, wide open. Didn't know they could open their mouths that wide and uh, th saw a little throat hole. I'm like, how am I supposed to fit down that thing? You know? Oh my God. And uh, <laughs> That's so heavy. So gnarly. <laughs> um, turns it's its head, closes its mouth, didn't finish the bite. Probably would have taken my fingers, I'd assume. Uh, if it did, but it didn't try to, it didn't chomp down. It just couldn't, couldn't get a bite. So instead it just kind of turned its head back to normal position, closed its mouth and kept swimming by. And I could, it looked like a train going by just me. Just kept going. It was my first tiger I ever seen at the time. And I just saw stripe, stripe, stripe oh about a foot from my face. Just stripe, stripe, stripe. Like, oh, okay, that's what a tiger shark looks like. And uh, its tail was four feet tall, went right towards Joey. Um, I stick my head up, scream, Joey, look down, look down, screaming bloody murder. That's all I said was Joey, look down, but he knew exactly what I meant because I was bloody murder, like Luke was today with the Yeah, boat. yeah. Uh, prob probably worse. And, um, and so he didn't see it. Thankfully, the shark must have uh, turned before it got to Joey. We met up back to back and swam the rest of the way in. Dude, So that's so heavy. Yeah. So, yeah, I got so the newspaper for that one. heavy, man. I love that. Yeah. That was Bobby Twitchell on Maui sharing a pretty heavy-duty story of a near-miss decapitation by a bull shark. Now we're going to move into David Ochoa, one of my favorite guys I've had on the podcast over the years. Had him on twice. He made a great movie called Agua Negra about spearfishing, travel, interacting with other cultures. The guy's doing amazing stuff. One segment from Agua Negra, the movie, is David finding a manta ray wrapped up in a bunch of fishing rope and his interaction with this animal to un unwind it and then basically commune with it. Uh, it's a beautiful part of the movie. It's a great story he tells. It's one of my favorites. Here we go. Uh, I think the story was you were coming back in and you decided to stop and you jumped in the water and you saw this manta ray. And in yeah. this thing had ropes on it, and it, it basically with the back of this poor fish was chafed, like it had just been rubbed raw. And, and you dove in, you dove down, and you, you freed this thing. I want to hear the story. But what was so neat about that segment is, like, I just get, I was almost like emotionally and choked up because you <laughs> fixed this thing, and then you could see the the sort of. Um, I guess kind of the humility and just sort of the stoke that you felt from that as you came back up, you kind of gave him like a little <laughs> bow, you know, I, it was, just, and, but there was no narration. There was just a little music. It was very cool. So, so just tell that story. You jumped in the water and you saw this manta ray and just tell that. Yeah. It, that, that's funny. Cause we actually, that was one of the sections of the film that it's quite simple, but we, I don't know, dude, I wrote 
10 different narratives to explain what happened. I edited in like different ways, discussed with Ricardo. And then we were like, dude, just, just let it be. Yeah. Oh, no you know, Yeah. I, you know, explain in one way and another, yeah. long speech, short speech, <laughs> oh, I'm so thankful this and that. And every time we'd put it, it's like, dude, I really think you don't need this. Yeah, just, just doesn't work. As it is, simple, just this real, really simple music behind it and, you know, just let it breathe, you know, as it is. Um, so, yeah, it's funny you, you mentioned that. Yeah. And, um, yeah, this was just pure coincidence. And it's funny because in the Azores, I've seen plenty of mantas before. And even though they can be, like, sociable sometimes uh, all of the mentors that i've seen and interacted with they've been always like pretty shy and so when i saw the mentor with all the ropes i was like mm, i mean there's no way i'm gonna be yeah. able to cut the ropes and right. dive and it's just gonna swim away yep you know because and and the ropes i mean they were carved inside the flesh it oh. wasn't you can see on the scars but i really had to pull it and that's not that's not a comfortable experience for for the animal, you know. So yeah. the first thing should be just just to I mean, away. Them somehow, you know, you're pulling something that it's already inside the flesh. And it's funny because um, the first time, and you can barely see, but there's the first time that I dive and just like kind of touch the rope, and it like kind of swims away. And um, the footage is all a bit tricky, so there's uh, some parts that we didn't film properly. Mm-hmm. On one dive, instead of just going for the ropes, I just dive on top of the manta and I just glide with the manta for a while. I don't know. In my my mind, I just wanted to try to communicate just with body yeah. language. You yeah. know, like, cool, cool down. We're just trying to, not trying to help, but, you know, just somehow try to give this message of not aggressive yeah. at all. Give them the vibe, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, so then I just glide on a couple dives and then on one dive... When I'm gliding, I just like touch on top of like the on the back, and yeah, the fish just stopped swimming at all, just stopped like this with the uh, with the fins down. Wow. Then yeah, I just took all the ropes, never swam away, and then yeah, I swam with that manta for like two hours, just holding on to no it. No way. And, yeah, you got yeah. the ropes off, went and got a breath, and came back down and just hung out with him. Wow, two yeah. hours. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah, I cut it like really short. But yeah, basically I swam with that manta for as long as I wanted. Wow. And um, I know it's always a tricky subject, you know, like not touch wildlife and this and that. But I felt that fish totally accepted. There's no yeah. harassment. There's no like me riding the manta and the manta like right. trying to, trying to get away. And you can see on the footage, like when I touch the manta, there's no, you know, there's no fear. There's no change in behaviors. There's just, you know, it just accepted me. You will never understand if the fish understands that you help or not, but it's clear that I'm not riding and harassing that fish. That yeah. fish is completely fine with me being there. Yeah. Um, oh, no question. No, that was such a neat thing. I, I love that segment. And again, back to... Now we have Kyle Faust, another legend of the water, spear fisherman, spearfishing guide. He builds products for Omer America, which is, you know, scuba diving and free diving products. Kyle takes us through his encounter with the white shark diving off the coast of Southern California. Kind of fun one to put yourself in that position. And I always think about what I would do in his shoes, but uh, it's a cool one. Let's take a listen. 
you also mentioned you have your own kind of personal white shark encounter near San Diego. Tell us yeah, that story. Yeah. So uh, I was spearfishing with a new guy uh, in San Diego, uh, and um, we were uh, we were just off the beach, and I had a couple of sand bass on my stringer, and we were we were we were uh, uh, swimming out there, and and uh, I I never dove with this guy. It was like the first time I was diving with him, and uh, you know, and so we're out there. And I turn around and he's just gone and I can't find him anywhere. I'm like, all right. And then next thing I know, I just see this shadow and I'm like, oh, what was that? And then uh, the viz was probably that day was probably like 20 feet, 20, 25. It wasn't bad. Um, and then uh, and then so uh, out of nowhere, this the front of this massive female, uh, you know, swims like right past me in that, really? in that, that murky kind of 20 foot viz. Whoa. And so when she's coming at me, I can't see her tail. And when she's and, and when she's Whoa. leaving, she goes past. I can't see the front of her. So she's so she's huge. She's got to be fifteen feet long. You know, Ooh. she's a big, she's a big girl. Um, and uh, and so uh, so so, but doesn't doesn't attack me. And I'm maybe three hundred yards from the beach. I'm I'm not in deeper water than. 40 feet yeah you know and and it's like it's like broken up reef and, and sand and so i'm like wow i'm like i'm like uh okay time to get you know back to land <laughs> so so uh i swim i like look around for him i can't find anywhere and i look and he's on the beach whoa and so i'm like wow so he's left me completely not, not, nothing. <laughs> out of there I'm like all right so so um i cruise back um, and I just, uh, I, I basically, I swim on the surface, I breathe up, I dive down and I crawl across the bottom, uh, and then come back up, take like a huge gulp of air, kind of do a little bit of a breathe up. This is before I knew like, you know, uh, about like, uh, you know, some, some surface times and having to take more time to, yeah. uh, and I, and I dive down and I crawl across the bottom again and, 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 uh, get back to shoreline, get on, get on shore. And he's like, Oh, I'm so sorry, man. I like saw the shark and I just panicked. And I just, I tried to tell you, but you know, you were under, okay. So I just, I'm sorry. I panicked. So we get back to the beach. There's three sea lions and this particular beach, it's sand. And then it's a cliff bluff. And there are three sea lions, big boys all the way up against the cliff <laughs> line with their head straight up, in, their head straight up in the air, looking left and right, left and right. So it's like wow, yeah. So, so she was definitely a, a big girl, but she wasn't any inter- she wasn't interested in. Now we have Mike Bolton, who spent a good chunk of his life photographing sharks underwater. He started in Panama in the '60s, one of the first guys to arrive at the Guadalupe Islands and basically document the white shark population there. A lot of really cool stuff, cool stories in his episode. Check it out. I mean, diving for treasure, diving by himself off the coast of Panama before anybody was even in the water out there. But today, we hear of Mike's first encounter with white sharks at Guadalupe Island. Uh, some really fun stuff, real charismatic guy. If I could be anybody when I'm in my late 70s, it'd be Mike Bolton. Check him out. Around that time is when you also got hooked up with white sharks. So tell the story of how you went from Panama, where there's no white sharks, there's a lot of other you know, awesome animals, <laughs> to Guadalupe okay. and white sharks. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay, uh, you know, I work with, um, uh, here in Panama, I did uh, three series with Survivors, uh, the Survivor Series. Oh, cool. With Mark Barnett, CBS. Yep. And we did three series here in Panama, uh, doing Survivor. And there was an underwater photographer, he's an IMAX photographer, awesome, 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 the best of the best. Unfortunately, we lost him a few years ago. Mm-hmm. 
His name was um, B- Bob Cranston. Yep. Very famous. You can Absolutely. look him up. One yep. of the top guys. And a very nice, humble man. And I worked with him in Panama and whales and sharks. We filmed here in Panama. And he said, Mike, he said, man, you got to dive with the great whites. Mm. And I said, whoa. I said, you know, that's... <laughs> I said, that's a shark. I, have, I mean, I, I dove with every shark, but the mako yeah. and the gray white. I think every other shark I, I've dove with and, and been, you know, there. Uh, and he said, yeah, I had this business off of, uh, I was actually started in California, one of the first groups going to Guadalupe Island with gray whites. Mm. And I said, really? And um, I said, oh, that's cool. I got to do that. Well, actually, when I had cancer, um, my wife tells me, she says, Actually, she did it behind my back. <laughs> she set up a trip with Bob and him. He got out of Bob. She set up a trip. She said, I want Mike to go to the Great Whites. Wow. Because she didn't, you know, I think my daughter and my wife were thinking, you know, that I'm on my way out, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I said, <laughs> Man, uh, <laughs> not me. I had already decided to do this. I, you know, but you know how they get, you know, they get sentimental. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They give me- I said, oh, man. I said, okay, I'll go. So I went. And uh, it was actually the cage, you know, cage diving with yep. the great white. And there were only five of us. There was five people. And I said, whoa, this is crazy, hmm. you know. But I got to get out. <laughs> Being <laughs> in a cage was kind of confining for you? Well, getting in the cage, you know, I mean, it was there. But, I mean, it, actually, before the, the time was up, I was out pre-diving with the great white. Yeah, got uh, it. And the only thing I had that for, for a protection with a broomstick. Yeah, just kind of <laughs> poking away. <laughs> poking away, you know. Uh, but that was before, again, I think that was before the Guadalupe Island became such a tourist thing. A lot of people going there now. Yep. Uh, like we we do uh, three trips a year. I take people uh, now. Now yeah. I lead trips. Right, right. So, so stay on that day. The first day you went to Guadalupe, you get in the cage you're on scuba, you see your first white shark out of the distance, right? And I'm, I'm imagining then after a few minutes, you're realizing you're, you have so much experience with sharks in general. You start to understand that animal quickly because you just know so much. And at that point, you're like, I got to get out of this cage and just yeah. be in the water. Is that it? You got on the boat, took your gear off. And just say, I and just got to be in that natural environment with them. Got to be in the natural environment. But, you know, I, in the beginning, you stay in between the cages. You know? Yeah, <laughs> so you cages. have somewhere to run, yeah. You know, like, hey, you know, I got to play. Because, you know, it's, it's a different situation. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was just like, uh, I mean, it, it, it experience is just so hard to even experience yeah. something like that. Yeah, you know? yeah. Now, I, I know you've, I mean, Tiger Sharks, I'm trying to figure out, I'm trying to put myself in your shoes where, you probably dove with some massive tiger sharks in Panama. Yeah. You see, but how, how does the size of the great whites early on that you saw compare your perception of those big, you know, barrel <laughs> torpedo, <laughs> huge submarine things versus like a big tiger shark? I mean, was it massively he- bigger, different? Like what was that size perception for you? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's completely different. I mean, when you know tiger sharks, all sharks – or like dogs, they're different. Yeah, they ever have their own, their different uh, way of acting. They have their own bad days, good days. Yep. We call sharks sometimes players, and they're not players. Uh, they're females or males, young males. Uh, so you have all of these things to watch for. Yeah, you know. And remember, both of these sharks are ambush hunters. Mm. The tiger shark and the great white. 
So they're both ambush hunters. And so to watch the great white, uh, you know that, I, I think it was like the first time I was in the water with a killer whale, yeah. that you didn't know what they would do. Sure. And I was way back, that was in the, set, in the first time I dove with killer whales was, I guess, in the uh, mid mid-70s, I guess, somewhere like that, uh, that I saw them in the island of Coiba, in that island. Oh, wow. Uh, and, and so you didn't know what they would do. I mean, there was n nobody doing it. So you sure. couldn't say, oh, oh, there's a record. They don't bother you. Well, hey, nobody knows. Yeah, totally unknown to you at that time. So that's the same with the great white. You know, you're in the water with the great white, and you say, well, how is he going to really react, you know? And you, uh, yeah. Like you said, they're both, they're both ambush hunters. You have to be watching. It's not the one that you're watching. It's the other one that you're not watching. Right. That's, that's the problem. <laughs> right. And they're usually around. One thing about tiger sharks is that you're usually, um, you dive with tigers, you have a bottom. You know, you're you're in a sure. sandy bottom. or not, I have dove with tigers in deep water. Uh, they're, you know, they're, they're easier, easier to dive with in deep water. Because you can you can watch them, sure. But when you're at the bottom, if you're if you're in a surrounded area, they can come from behind you and everywhere. If you get three or four, and you're on the bottom, but if you're in mid ocean, um, I feel like I have more of advantage in mid water. Yeah, right. Some people disagree with me. They say no, no, no. Well, I I feel more comfortable in deeper water huh. than when I'm stuck on the bottom. Yeah. I was laying down filming a tiger shark once, and I said, oh man, I'm going to get a belly shot. I was filming. And had three tigers, and this big female was coming, and I just, oh man, I'll just lay down and catch her. She comes over. Well, that's when you get too much confidence. And as she, as she <laughs> got over me, I saw her eye look down at me like that, you know, like, what? You yeah. know, I can't <laughs> to the bottom. You know, actually, she just hit like that. And I, boom, I had to push her back. Oh, man. You know, really hit her uh, and went by my hand and hit her by the face in the, in the gill here. Yeah. Because she had me pinned to the bottom. Oh, jeez. <laughs> you know, I mean, that was crazy to do something like that. Wow, yeah. You know, because then she, gets, she knows she has you. Right. You know, so that's a bad situation. Um, I learned my lesson there. Sure. But in, in mid-ocean, uh, great whites are very curious. They come at you. They come from behind you. Uh, when, we, when we dive uh, outside of a cage, uh, the cage is usually 40 feet. In 300 feet of water, drop to 40 feet, then you go outside the cage, leave your camera gear, whatever, come back out, swim out. And there's usually two divers and two backup divers, you know, because you got to watching your, you know, sure. 300 feet down. Yeah. And uh, so getting to something of that, uh, we were actually doing a... Um, some research on great whites um, uh, attacking seals. Right. And we had um, uh, uh, satellite, uh, SETCOM, satellite, uh, geez, I lost the word now. Ha! I'll find it in a minute. Uh, trackers. Yeah. And we were tracking these, these different sharks. And we had one shark that was down below at around 200 feet, I think it was. Yeah. And uh, he came up to the surface, hit the surface in less than 10 seconds. That's crazy. <laughs> so you can imagine, if you can't see him, he's going to shoot straight up in 200 feet. Yeah, you don't have much chance if he's coming exactly. for you. Exactly, so yeah. you want to be hanging off of the boat in the right. back. You know, okay, take my camera and, hey, you know, take my fins. No, that's, no. that's not the game. Get out of the water. Get so, out of the water, yeah. 
So do you notice a difference in their behavior um, between somebody on scuba with the bubbles and the sound and the noise versus free diving where you're, they're, you're basically silent? Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. When you're free diving from the surface with a great white, very more, uh, uh, I'd say more, more of a player, more of a get close to you. Yeah. They tend to react with you a lot better than when you're out of the tank. Huh. You're down. <coughs> excuse me. Here's what I was going to tell you, that uh, being outside of a cage with, in a tank with a gray white uh, down, it's it very, they, they stay, they keep their distance. Every now and then they'll come in, but they're, you don't get the good um, interaction that you do with free diving. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, sorry. No, it's a, no worries. Yeah, they're probably wondering what the heck you are because you're so loud. There's these bubbles, you know, you're not... All right, our last story is with Stefano Ulivi, a man who leads scuba diving tours in and around Pico Island, which is a really special place in the Azores. And Stefano takes us through his interactions with whales and mobiles, or mantas, a school of mantas, and then his favorite shark out in those waters, the mako. So a lot of neat stories of his interaction through the years and years of being out there in the Azores. And uh, I was... Oh, more than lucky because I was helping a documentarist in that moment. So I was in the water, just in the water. And uh, in September is the end of the love season for the sperm whale. Mm. So um, you can find a lot of babies, a lot of calves in the water. And how you can see from this video, they are more than curious. Wow. Uh, maybe, maybe I was the first humans yeah. next to him. And right. that guy was just asking to himself, what, what is, is this? this? Yeah. Oh, what is these things, you know? So he just went close to me. Yeah. And I, I, I stopped to breathe for just <laughs> five minutes, man. And that's it. Amazing. Just, just without breath. Yeah. Man, it was unbelievable. Oh. Bigger than me. Yeah. I'm not so big. I'm one meter and 75. And this baby was just double of baby. Right, right. That's amazing. And then there's another cool shot you have of, I think, of a really small humpback whale, too. Just a little guy. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. But that that moment was in Tonga, not oh, uh, in yeah, the Azores. Okay. Yep, at the Azores. Yep. Um, right. Yeah, yep. So, but was exactly the same. And uh, yeah. that guy was in the water with the mom. And uh, exactly the same. Exactly the same. Yeah, More than curious. curious, he approached me. And honestly, was more scared with a the, with the handbag because they, ha they have uh, long pectoral oh, fins. Right. And they are moving. They are playing. Uh, it's not so easy staying yeah. clo close to them. Right. You know, it's they have two meters tail and eh, yeah, not right. easy. Now, <laughs> now for the the mobulas, you know, which are basically manta rays, right? Um, for folks. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, what are those guys like? I mean, when you have a school of those, and you said they're you know two to three meters or more wide, which you know for folks you know listening, it's like, it's like you know six to eight feet, you know U.S. Um, big, graceful, playful animals. What's it like being in a school? I'm looking at a picture where there's like at least ten or twelve, fifteen in the picture. I mean, are they are they curious? Do they swim away? What is it like? How do those animals interact with you? Mobulus or mantas in general, manta ray in general, are one of the most clever animals in mm. the water that you can find in the water. Uh, one of the best animals for interact with them. 
for example, they are loving the bubbles. Mm. So if you are lucky to have a mobula over you, oh man, you can play with this mobula and your bubbles for hours. Really? He'll just stay there? Uh, and... Oh, they, they're, they're going to stay there wow. over you, man, for hours and hours just for play with your bubbles. Cool. Or uh, you can um, try to make them more curious just swimming in front of them and moving your fins. <laughs> they just follow you. <laughs> really? So, oh, man, I, sometimes I have all my clients on the line. So I just take the distance from the, from the line. I'm waiting my mobula, just swimming in front of the mobula. Uh, I'm bringing the mobula to in front of my clients. No you know? way. So, oh, oh man. <laughs> They are really, really, really unbelievable, and they 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 can shock at you because when they arrive, it when they are arriving all together with this giant ball of them, they are just how is it in English making dark? Oh, they, this they, big they, dark spot oh, coming the, at you the, from the, the water. Oh, the light is gone, man. And just wow. say, what's what's happened? No way. So you are looking around, you are moving, and you are just realizing, oh my god. No way. Oh my God. Yeah. They are wow. all together over you. And oh, that's man. cool. And we so have... you mentioned there's a specific spot where you can go yes. to find the mobulas or find them more, more likely. So are yeah. they, are they pretty um, common throughout the Azores or just certain specific areas? Okay. They are, mm, they're traveling. They have, uh, they're mm. doing a giant migration. Yeah. Okay. They, they're arriving at the Azores in that spot just in July. Mm. They're moving from Cape Green, Cape Verde, mm -hmm. okay, yep. to the Azores. Uh, they need more or less one month just for travel. But in, you can find Mobula in this dive spot just from July till the end of September. Yeah, wow. <laughs> just for feet. Feet for the love season. That's yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. That special place, man. special place. Now t switch back to the sharks, you know, um, of yeah. all of the different species that you've interacted with, do you have a favorite species of shark that you like to dive with the most that maybe is the most engaging or curious or, or maybe even like photogenic, you know, the ones that just kind of come out the best <laughs> on camera. <laughs> Mako, man. Really? Mako sharks. Oh, yeah. Mako sharks is the, is the, uh, just for let you know, it's 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 a sort of small white shark. Yeah, the same shape of the body, the the, the same uh, billions of tooth. Yeah, out so because they are swimming swimming with the mouth completely open. So for me, when you when I am in the water with mako sharks, it's totally another kind of situation. Right, but. They are not so curious. They are mm. not, uh, uh, for example, just for let you know, they are loving uh, live prey. They oh. they need to see movement in the water. So uh, usually we are not killing fish. We are not using live yeah. baits, of right. course. Okay, but this is have to be uh, one of the main point of my job. For example, uh, we are using for create our charm. We are using using just the rest for one little tuna factory mm. that there is in Pico. Okay, sure. so we are going there with giant bucket. We are cutting everything with these hands. Yeah. So imagine the smell and the condition one yeah. time at home. It's, it's horrible, man, yeah. but it's part of the job. <laughs> so like I said, you Meiko, they need to see movement in the water. So they are not so curious. 
blue sharks, they're totally the opposite. Mm. And they are, for me, the perfect species for uh, entering the water for the first time in, with sharks, for try to uh, interact with them. Like the first experience in the water, for me, blue shark is perfect. Uh-huh. They're super curious, uh, but they are so smooth and gentle and elegant when they're moving. They are totally predictable. Uh, they can bump on you because they are super curious, but yeah. there's no, no problem. Just pushing them out um, far away with yeah. one hand, and that's it. Right. Um, my head is is in the middle between Mako and uh, and Blue Shark, for example. Depend of uh, of the sharks that you find that day. Yeah. Uh, if it's more curious or not. Right. But uh, yeah, Mako I think is my favorite one. Yeah. So today, what type of shark do you see? I know. I know. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for listening uh, to another podcast episode. Can't do it without you. And uh, so thrilled to have you here supporting uh, myself and the podcast and all the guests uh, continually. Always appreciate a positive um, rating on your uh, your podcast app, whether it be you know Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, you name it. Just helps helps grow the podcast and uh, spread awareness. So thanks for that. And then any uh, social media mentions, always super appreciative. And uh, if you know somebody who you think would be great to have on the podcast to share the, about their ocean life please hit me up. I'd love to chat with them. Or if you think you'd like to, let me know. Uh, Email is josh at thisoceanlife.tv. All right. Thanks, guys.